Here we go. It's Monday night. And wouldn't you know, it's time for Iron Sports. True Oldies channel. I'm Mike Balsamo. We are live once again tonight. There's no Miami Heat game or anything to get in your way, Iris. So we get to do the show live at 7. Yeah, I'm pumped. And uh, I'm so excited about our guest tonight. The second part of our interview that we had with Sonny Vaccaro. Yes, yeah, Sonny Vaccaro. Very topical right now. Movie Air is fantastic. One of your favorites. And we caught up with him last week. What are we going to talk about with Sonny this week? The end of the Jordan story when he was when the Nike signed Jordan. But then when he was at Adidas signing Kobe. And then a little about LeBron. So... I'm pumped to have Sunny on. Air is now, you don't have to go to theaters. You know, for, there's yeah. people that don't go to theaters anymore, but I love I'm one of them. Oh, come on. <laughs> but I saw it's on Amazon. It's on Amazon. You can just turn it on TV, go, whatever, and it's on there right here. Amazon Prime, it's free. So just get order it, and it's tremendous. Uh, Justin Bateman, uh, Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, Viola De Davis. It's tremendous cast. I loved it. I, lo I watched it again last night, getting ready. And the theme song <laughs> that we have that on before, people don't know, that song is what the Bulls came out to. Yes. So they actually play that in the movie. So I'm so excited. When I heard it in the, the Iron Sports theme yeah, music. Yeah, the Iron Sports theme music. No, it's really from the Alan Parsons project, Eye in the Sky. It's the opening to that, and that's what the Bulls did for their theme song. And right when we cut the music off, do you hear the thump? That's the Bulls running. And if you were there at the arena when they did it, they showed the Bulls all running throughout Chicago. It was so cool. Now everybody does it. The Heat has a crazy thing, but that was also fun to see. As a Knicks fan growing up in the 90s, that song traumatized me. Yes, totally, totally, totally. <laughs> oh, so Ira, busy week once again. Put some miles on your uh, frequent flyer because you've been back and forth between New York and Miami. Yeah, well, just the heat on Monday in Miami, then Knicks on Wednesday in New York, and then back on Friday for the heat. So it was great to be in both different venues to see it. Again, the comparison between the Kaseya Center and, uh, and Madison Square Garden, totally two different. It's almost like uh, hockey and basketball compared to the two arenas. But it was great to see three heat games. Don't forget, uh, you can follow Ira anywhere on social media. He's easy to find. It's at Ira on Sports. So we were talking a week ago and saying, we're on the precipice, Ira, of just a fantastic couple of weeks for South Florida sports. And it's come true now. We've got the Florida Panthers in the Eastern Conference Finals. Got Miami in the Eastern Conference Finals, both as eight seeds. When is there a better time to be a South Floridian? Uh, I don't know. Maybe if the Dolphins would go and make a, <laughs> make a run. And, and, and we're going to talk a little about the Heat game because I saw something. I mean... When you go to the games, you get to see things, and, 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 and I'm gonna I'm jumping ahead. Okay, so we're jumping a little ahead of this, but say Mike McDaniel, the coach of the Dolphins, is sitting one seat away on the bench on Friday night to Spolstra. Now he's I've seen him at a lot of the games. I've never seen him sit in that seat. Like and also while it's going on, he's like watching Spolstra. Like what's he doing? When the referee, you could just see it's like he's taking notes almost. Mm -hmm. out. And Kristen Wilkins and Jalen Ramsey of the of the Dolphins were sitting right at the press table. So when the Heat were checking in, they were talking to Ramsey and Wilkins like it's part of the whole it was pretty cool to see the active involvement of the dolphins and the heat i like that it, you know you're right though you don't really see that in other cities you'll see you know the 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 giants or the jets will go to a ranger playoff game but they're sitting with the fans and the crowd they're not sitting next to the coaches it's, it's kind of crazy out it Miami pretty, does. It, and i just I, w I got some great pictures of it but mcdaniel like a lot of times they would be talking like when spolsters argue with scott foster and you could see mcdaniel i like i can't i would love to have him on the show and it says what notes did you take from the game because we look at it as watching Spolster, like some of my coach basketball, coach whatever. But how many people coach professional team sports 
like that are sitting right next to Spolster. I mean, that he is one of the few people in the world that is coaching a major sport team that is sitting and getting a chance to watch a game like that. Mike McDaniel's an offensive genius. Maybe he's drawing up some plays for Spolster, too, <laughs> yes. uh, on the side. So, Ira, here it is, Miami versus Boston. And if you're an NBA fan, this is a pretty familiar matchup. Yeah, the Heat are headed there for the 10th time overall, the 7th time in the last 13 years, and the 3rd time in the past four, four seasons against the, the Celtics. So, I mean, again, last year, the Heat lost in Game 7, and, and it's just their tr uh, familiar opponent. Uh, just can this series is gonna be great. I am the biggest Heat fan in the world. I cannot see how he wins this. I I, I just can't see it. Yeah, but I that's did, what everyone said about I Milwaukee. I know, but I've said that, and I but I can't see the path. I'm trying, and I, I maybe by the end of the show I'll, I'll get convince myself. But I have been just racking my brain. I, I'm not as smart as Bolstra, but hopefully, I mean, he's a genius, an absolute genius, and that's on the coaching side. But he is much smarter than Mazzola, and I think that's a big advantage. But on from a player side, this would be uh, the, the work of art if he's able to pull this one off one benefit for you is that you know where to stay in boston you know where to sit at td at td bank yes. at the way the stadium's called so you want to go back here to uh we, you know we did the show early last monday because you were heading down to miami for uh to see them take on the knicks yeah i mean the game four was that miami won 109 101 and, and this was a key game it's 2-1 it's 2-1 heat you want to you want to go through a 3-1 is crucial when you have because at that point they were able to go 3-1 and then because if it's 2-2 and then that leaves three games in new york but if you go 3-1 so this was really what I thought was crucial. And Jimmy Butler just showed that he controls the game even when he doesn't score. I mean, they put Grimes on him, uh, quickly doesn't start. But it, it was one of those things where uh, Julius Randle, 20 points, 8 for 13. Brunson was amazing, 32 points. And R.J. Barrett, 24 points. So they got... They got scoring, but not not enough. I mean, this is probably the best, I think, the best game the Knicks played. Even though the next game they won, I thought this was the best they played. Miami is up by one at the end of one. They're up by eight starting the second and nine entering the third. And they were sort of cruising along. But, boy, the, the Knicks really came down. It was 91-81, and Kyle Martin got called in a flagrant when Brunson was shooting a three. So he made the three-point play. They got the ball again. I mean, that could have been a like a six-point play, but they missed that shot. And then, really, at the end of the game, it was... Butler, Bam, Kyle Martin dominating the boards, even Lowry. I mean, look, Butler, Bam, Martin had three offensive boards each. Lowry had two offensive boards. They had a 44-35 rebounding advantage. And if anyone watches these teams, the Knicks have a huge size advantage almost at every huge. single position. So that was tremendous. And then uh, the closest the Knicks got were six points. Butler scored, was only nine for 17 for 27 points and 10 rebounds, only 27. But it was still, I thought it was a great, and Vincent, the thing that helped the Knicks in this, I mean, the Heat in this series, is that Vincent and Lowry are shorter, of course, and Brunson is, is short. I mean, he's as Stephen A. Smith as he's shorter than Stephen A. Smith, and they're able to guard him. The guards, the, the Celtic guards, are a little taller, and I yeah. think that's gonna that's gonna hurt. Struess played great, and this is where I give Spolstra a genius. He just knows how to put use the bench, and even Kyle Martin comes in, scores ten points. Lowry off the bench, fifteen points. His use of the bench, he's now started to bring Duncan Robinson in, and even the minutes they puts Cody Zeller, just eight minutes, and 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 high. Smith for six minutes they seem to be at the right time like he really f understands like this team like the whole year it's like he didn't get the team it just didn't flow but they lose hero they lose at Adebayo I mean uh, Oladipo and it seems like supposed to really is pushing every single right button and I was really impressed with how they you know that was a big win so they go up to New York up 3-1 so you hop on a flight go to New York and you're a pretty big deal here in South Florida Ira but you're a big deal in New York too you're, you're at a sweet level for this one well I broke uh, uh, Christian Wakefield let me go in 
they're sweet. Now, the sweet, when you're in a suite, though, you know, I do like being closer to the action. I was in a mid-level suite. They have suite levels, which are out of the only few, which are amazing. And then there's upper, you don't want to be in those upper suites, but the mid-level suites, but it's sort of in the quarter. But it was pretty cool to get there super early. I mean, I and and then you, when, you, when you're in a suite and you're not assigned seats, you want to get there early because you want to get the good seat. You want to get the best seat in the suite. So that's <laughs> a, and you had the TV set there. But I would say is I don't like watching the TV because it sort of was distracting that. I'd actually mm-hmm. turn the TV off that was in front of me. But it was pretty cool to have your food. And they had great hamburgers that were excellent there, <laughs> I have to say. The food was good and every and from that aspect. But And it was neat because you had a ledge. You can put all your stuff. And, you know, I have my camera, my binoculars, and my phones and everything. So it was it was good to be in that and watch it in comfort. And what you watched in comfort was, uh, was, uh, was the Knicks holding serve, per se. Yeah, this was a game obviously had to win backs against the wall. They did what they needed to do. Yeah, I mean, Miami was up 24-14 and had to one. You're like, okay, this is going to end right now. And then and you could see the fans were getting real nervous. And there weren't as many celebs. I saw Chris Rock in the front row. Michael J. Fox was there, too. Yeah, they showed him on TV. And, and there. And then uh, the Heat made, and then then the, then, but this run that the Knicks made, they went on a twenty-five to four, twenty-five to four run. They ended up being up by nineteen points. It was just like it was the worst moment in the whole place. Like, what are the what's the Heat doing? Like, it was it was a mess. But the Heat made a comeback. Lowry actually had a three to cut it with four with Avich to go. But Jalen Brunson just kept responding and responding. He played forty-eight minutes, twelve for twenty-two shooting, thirty-eight points, and uh, he tried everything. They, uh, Mitchell Robinson, it was the hack of Mitchell Robinson, like which because yeah. he. He, how he shoots free throws. Do not do close your eyes. Reminds me of Anthony Mason or something. I don't, he throws it up there with no arc at the ball. I don't know how it goes in. Like it is amazing. I, I it's more He's throwing missiles at the front yes, of the rim. I don't know how it falls in. And then it was 103 with three minutes to go. Father made one or two, but they were they weren't able to, to, to hang on a win. And Julius Randle, who again, it's just he's getting a lot of criticism for the series. He did score 24 points, uh, but the Knicks got the rebound and they out rebounded 50 to 14, 50 to 34. Uh, Duncan Robinson scored 22 points. So, again, they are, you could see that Spolster's trying. I mean, Robinson had been on the bench, it seems like, for three, like um, three weeks, four weeks, and he's back shooting, trying to get him involved. I thought that was uh, intriguing for Spolster to try to get him involved in the game. I don't see how Robinson plays a big role against the Celtics because the Celtics play great defense and you need to drive the ball, but we'll see. That's for next. So, Ira hops on a flight back to South Florida, ready to go for game six in Miami. Yeah, I mean, one thing about this, so I get there, of course, so early. I'm the first person in the arena. And Julius Randle is the only one who, uh, no one else goes out and shoots, really. For the Heat, I miss everybody from the Heat shooting. Strews sometimes comes out. But Randall, he misses everything. I I, I, I try to get a video of him shooting. Like you can watch these other players, like shoot ten in a row, twelve in a row. I mean, it's not Curry twenty in a row. Randall, I can't get him three in a row. He's missing. Like when you see him missing the games, it's because that's what he does in practice. <laughs> and uh, we talked about Ramsey Wilkins, Mike McDaniel, Spolstra. Oh, in the first row, there was a gentleman who has these pink pants, and he sat in the first row, his first seat, right next to the scores table, but top about where Wilkins and Ramsey sat. And I, he sat in front of me at the Miami Open, and I thought it was funny because he bought all the tickets and he had these waters in these paper bags and he would throw waters to everyone and he did not give me any water and he had little flags for the Spanish flag and he handed all these flags out and he had this big flag that he hung on the baseline and the chair umpire had to come over and nicely tell him to take the chair, the big gigantic flag down but he has this great seat. I mean you talk about Marlon man, I mean his seats are the best of the best so I find out who he is and maybe I'll mention we'll him, get on, him the on the show. Yeah. We'll get him on the show and talk about it and uh, I like what, you know, it's interesting in terms of, I have a great picture of Pat 
Riley. Like where my angle from the seat, you can see Pat Riley as like like the Godfather orchestrating everything. And uh, and then J Jimmy Butler goes before the game. He has an entire routine where he has his different fans that he has to talk to. He goes around the, it's, it's the same thing every single game, which is pretty cool to see. I also like the fact how they decide how they pull which ball they're going to use. So they have the each team they bring the balls out and like Butler is dribbling and a lot of times they'll go with like two or three balls to have both teams agree to a ball. Like Brunson is agreeing to ball, Butler has to agree to the ball. It took them on some of these games. It seemed like they go like four or five balls like before they both agreed on what ball they were going to use. I had no idea. Game. No, it's that whole <laughs> the whole thing before the game. But I again that was that was the pre-game stuff that we talked about. So this game was perfect. You had. Uh, two young ladies sitting in front of you with their boyfriends. So you, you like it when people my height sit in front of you because yes. you get full you know, access. I, Mike, you should always sit in front of me. I, it was great. So what <laughs> was funny is that there was two couples, two 20-year-olds, uh, couples that came, and and they initially what they wanted was it was going to be boy, girl, boy, girl, or whatever. Or, or actually, no, boy, girl. They were going to have the guys were going to sit together and the girls what, and uh, the girls were like, nix that. The guys <laughs> had to sit on the end. The girls sit in the middle, which is perfect, so I got an angle. And then the guys, you could see them like high-fiving like after the first play, and then the girls were like, we're not going to have this high yeah, five. And like, this, this is all not going to go on. So I had a great view the whole game. So I liked when, when shorter people sit in front of me, that is the best thing. So what happened here? I mean, you before the playoffs even started, you said you don't think the Knicks are any good, that they're a fraud. And I don't want to say the series exposed them, but here was another game where they just didn't have the offensive firepower to hang with the Heat. I think the one this one game is Brunson got in foul trouble a little earlier. They had to go out of the game. He didn't, couldn't play his 48 minutes. RJ Barrett got in foul trouble. Miami was only up 51-50 at the half. They were down. They were down in the first half. And then you're like, you're getting a little nervous. Like, what's gonna happen? They came back and was up 51-50. Then 74-71 at the end of three. And then Scott Foster, if you see him, he called a double lane violation and then we're going to have a jump ball. Like, he makes these calls where I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's one of the most famous refs. So he's going to coach NBA Finals. But where this double lane violation, everyone's like looking like, what? Double lane violation? And now we're going to have a jump ball off a foul? Like, he just wants to get involved with the game. And the Knicks were going to the foul line a lot. They were drawing fouls and they were calling lots of fouls. 92-86, the Heat left with a minute to go. And Vincent was kind of flagrant on Brunson, which was and then again like that in the in the game in New York made it 92-88 and Josh Hart made a layup so made it 92-90 Jimmy Butler missed a shot. Like, he missed a mm -hmm. shot. And then the, the Knicks had a chance at the end of the game when they're only down by two. And Brunson and Lowry steals the ball from Brunson. They make the free throws. It's over. But, boy, they did have a chance. Like, they drain a three. Then we're going to a game seven. So it was, it was closer than you think. Butler didn't shoot well this game. Seven for 22, over three from the uh, three-point line, 24 points, eight boards. But, again, he controls the team, offense, defense. Just like we're going to talk about LeBron, he controls everything that goes on. Bam out of Bayou, 23 points. But I I just love how the fact they get Struess at 14, Callum Martin gets eight, Lowry 11, Vincent seven, and that's just that's what makes them. And I, I just really, I just I could not believe New York was in the game. When you look at the stat line, Brunson scored 41 points on 14 for 22 shooting, but Julius Randle was three for 14 with 15 points, and RJ Barrett one for 10 with 11 points. So they really got nothing else out of there. And, and I guess you know uh, the, we're going to do a post mortem of the of the <laughs> Knicks right now. I. He, Brunson is a steal. Like he's tremendous. He's a great player. He's a great player. Mm -hmm. and, and and the joke is I, I was listening to the radio and they were like, Spolster after the game was like, Brunson's great. I can't believe he's on an all torn team. I can't believe he's great. It's like the same thing he used to say about Butler when we played the Sixers. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh my gosh, I'm Tom Timro. And the Knicks like, stay away. And Brunson's <laughs> gonna be on Jalen Brunson's gonna be on the uh, US Olympic team and Spolster's one of the coaches and they were gonna say they're gonna have a restraining order where <laughs> stop talking to him. Yeah, yeah, do not talk to him. Don't get him because Brunson wouldn't Brunson look great coming down? 
going to the to the heat in a couple of years. But um, I thought that. But clearly, Julius Randle, I don't know what they're going to do. I mean, he looks so talented. He's so big, so strong. But he just, when he's, his shot is not on, he'll score 40. But it's not on, he's going to do four to 15 points and do nothing else. Yeah, the New York media today is just got to trade him, got to trade Barrett, you know, get rid of Tibbs. They're going overboard in New York. They want a complete, complete wipe job besides Brunson. Well, they, the thing was that they could have had Donovan Mitchell and Brunson who went to the Cavaliers because the, but the Knicks didn't want to trade R.J. Barrett. And the fact is that they would have traded. Now they're like, well, wait, wait, R.J. Barrett, we don't need R.J. Barrett. Who needs him? We should have made the trade. So that's the one thing. I mean, the, at least they have one piece, but they need, and also I like Josh their Hart's coach. Josh Hart's a good player. And what? Josh Hart's a good player. And Josh Hart's good, but he's a free agent. And they have some interesting pieces to build around and they played hard, and I would not say, you know, is the season a failure? That type of thing. They did beat the Cavaliers in the first round, so I would not say the season failure. They were not. They were supposed to be a play-in team, and they finished with the fourth seed. So I would not say their season is failure. But going forward, they just got to figure out what to do with Randall and really how to work around that. It's 7:20. This is Ira on Sports True Oldies Channel. Sonny Vaccaro joins us in about 15 minutes. Follow Ira on social media at Ira on Sports. Let's go to Philly and Boston. And you've been saying since the playoffs started, you think that Philly's frauds. And I think they're fine. It took seven games, but finally exposed. Yeah, everyone was criticizing me, but Doc Rivers has blown now four series where he's been up 3 1. He's lost 10 times in game sevens, five more than any other head coach. Harden was the worst, the worst three pointer in game sevens in playoff history. Embiid is now 0 3 in game sevens. Embiid has now never won more than one round of the playoffs. Harden is, was 0 for 7 in the last fourth quarter, last three fourth quarters. He went, he had one game of 45 and one game of 42. Besides that, he had scored 12, 16, 17, 13, and he was three for 11 for nine points, shooting 12 for 55 in losses. It was, it was, and this all turned on game five when I'm flying up to New York uh, and Boston versus Philly, and that game was crazy because I, it was like I'm watching it on the plane, I'm watching the baggage claim, and Philadelphia looked great that game. I mean, they go to Boston and win that. Uh, Embiid scored 33 points. Maxi had 30 points. Harden average game, 7 points and 10. But it was, it was they, they blew them out. I mean, Tatum had a horrendous game. He was 0 for 6 with two points most of the half. Hofer was 0 for 7. Sixers went out and took this huge lead and blew them out. And it was like at home, they beat you know Boston by 12. But it was really you know a 20-time point game. And at that point, you're like, you're going to Philly, you're up 3-2, and at that, I just thought, I mean, I, Boston was favored by three in this game, but you're like, what is with this Boston team? Like, what's gonna happen? And then that fourth game, this is the fourth quarter Tatum game, because I'm watching the game, and, you know, remember, Boston last year was down to Milwaukee 3-2, going to game six, backs against the wall, and they actually went to Milwaukee and won game six, and then went back and won game seven. They started Horford and Robert Williams, so they went bigger in this game, and they benched Derek White. And I'm like, why did it take so long? They finally figured out what to do. And uh, Boston said, just seven deep, and we're going to go. And it was 29-22 after one. Boston went up by, by 16 points. It was 50-43 at halftime. Tatum shot one for 14. One for 14. 73-71, Philadelphia going to the fourth. Philadelphia scored 13 points the entire fourth quarter. Tatum scored 14. The score was 81-81, six minutes ago. Tatum was one for 14, and Mazzullo, the coach, put his arm around him and said, I love you. <laughs> and that worked. And, uh, and Sixers don't make a bucket for the next 6-13 of the game. Maxi steals for the last six minutes of the game. Maxi stole from Brown on a clear path foul. Made it 83-81. And Bede misses a shot. Then with 4-14 left, Tatum hits a three to take the lead. That's his like, second, second shot he made all game. And then Embiid misses a shot with four minutes to go in the game. The last shot, Embiid, MVP, in a clinching game, takes the entire game, last four minutes. He was in the game for the last four minutes. He didn't take a shot. Tatum makes another three. Smart makes 
makes another two, makes it 81-84. Maxi makes a shot. Tucker misses a shot. Melton takes a shot. Tatum makes another three. Out of control. Out of amazing. Harden misses a shot. Harden turnover. Tatum makes a three. No Embiid. I write this notes. No Embiid. No Embiid. No Embiid. Embiid. That is the. Hard and missing shots, turning the ball over. What a disaster! What a collapse! And uh, Tatum scored. He was five for twenty-one. The best five for twenty-one. Nineteen points, I think, in the history of basketball. Smart had uh, twenty-two points. Jalen Brown had seventeen points. But really, Harden four for 16, 13 points. Embiid terrible at the end of the game. And they said I should have demanded the ball more. But this was just a total collapse at home. I mean, the fans were leaving the game with, with thirty seconds to go in the game. So going to Game Seven, this was one. I didn't think Philly was going to win, but I thought this was going to be a pretty competitive game, and Boston just kind of put their foot on the gas the entire time. Right. There were two days off. Harden and Embiid, you thought, they had two days to rest, and they, it's like they didn't want to play. They didn't want to play at all. Um, they started uh, Robert Williams and Al Horford again. Uh, Jalen Brown was scoring, doing well, and, and at this game, this is where Tatum started scoring from the beginning. I mean, but at halftime, it was 55-52. Tatum had 25 points. Brown had 13 points. But the third quarter, Boston outscored them 33-10. to Tatum had 17 points in the entire quarter. Boston went on 24-3 to run, and this game was over. Embiid was 5 for 18 for 15 points. Harden, uh, James Harden makes, you know, it's, I want to say nine points in a basketball game. In a, in a game seven. Mm -hmm. Like, you can't do that. Nine points. I mean, combining Embiid, that was a combined, what is it, with uh, 24 points of Tatum in the last, oh, so Embiid in that, in the set, Embiid in the, End of game six and game seven had 15 total points. Tatum had 63. He ended up scoring 52 points. It was the largest, uh, it was 51 points. Yeah. It, it broke Curry's record of the, in a game seven, most points in a game seven. Um, absolutely just a disaster for the Sixers. I mean, I, you, it's a failure. The season's a failure. There's no way to say it's not a failure. I don't care what you have to say. It's a failure. Like You don't blow a 3-2 lead, and with a team that you have the MVP, and you're supposed to win that game. Yeah, and we'll talk about the failure thing coming up here in, in a minute as a lot of coaches did lose their jobs. Just about 10 minutes till we get to Sonny Vaccaro here on Ira on Sports. So you, you're thinking the Heat ha have no shot here, but Ira, I, I, I'm not saying it's a coin flip by any means, but I'm not counting the Heat out. I can't count them out, but smart. Last year, smart was hurt. Horford was hurt. Marvel Williams was hurt. This year, everyone is healthy. They added Malcolm Brodman. They the Celtics have the home court. The Heat don't. I just don't know from the size wise. They, Williams and Horford against Bam, uh, Cody Zeller, and Kevin Love. They're just going to get Bam in foul trouble. I don't know how all these guys are going to cover Tatum and Brown. Like I'm nervous, and unless the Celtics self destruct, that's what this, the Heat have got to play close games. And I give them credit because the Celtics they seem to only have been blown out one time. They've lost close games for their losses they've had five losses four have been by like one the last possession and one's been a blowout so the seed have got to keep these games close if they keep them close maybe they'll self-destruct other than that i'm very nervous let's go to the west here where i gotta tell you i was not picking the lakers to really win anything this, this postseason and here they are you know on the cusp of going to the championship which is just crazy to me but they they did what they had to do to knock off the uh, warriors yeah well everyone talked about game four being the game of all games and it was the lakers were up 2-1 the warriors were had to win this game and who would you ever and the two stars were lebron and lonnie walker the fourth and his, his name's Lonnie the fourth and the fourth quarter he scored 15 points but again i i'm going to say this lebron james this is a masterpiece this series is a masterpiece this game was 
was a masterpiece. He was 10 for 25, 27 points, 9 boards, 6 assists. But the fact that he was able to keep them into this game, it was 52-49 at halftime. The Warriors got the lead up by 10. Austin Reeves was keeping them in the game. But you could just see LeBron as like any other team would have self-destructed, gone down by 25. But the fact that they had LeBron was able to hold them in this game. And then the Lakers' first play, it was 84-77 to start the third. The Lakers' first play is Walker had a three to cut it to four. Then Walker hits another three. And then another. made 84-84. I mean, Walker, out of nowhere, he didn't even play the first yeah. game. Like, he was on the bench. He's been benched for three months. Comes out and hits there. Curry made a four-point play. Walker responded with another. And then the key was with 2.37 left, Walker misses a shot. LeBron got the offensive rebound, two free throws, and he never makes free throws. At the end, like this, that was awesome. Clay made a stupid three from the deep. Kerr was like, his hands were in his head like he was going nuts. Like, why would you shoot that? Then LeBron drove on Curry. Passed. At that point, LeBron just said, I want Steph Curry playing me. And then he just played it so smart. And he passed to Walker, made a shot, made it 199. And then LeBron drove on Curry again. His fouled, made two free throws, made it 102-99. And then Curry drove, made a layup, made it 102-101. Uh, but then Curry misses his 18-foot shot. Draymond got offensive rebound. Curry missed another shot. And then Walker got the offensive rebound, fouled, and shot. And at the end of the game, 56 to go, LeBron read what Draymond was going to do. He ran a play to tie the game, and LeBron just knew. He said, remember back from 2018 in the, in the playoffs when I played for the Cavs, they ran that same play, and he pushed Anthony Davis out. They intercepted the ball. Uh, just an amazing ending for LeBron. Tremendous. And uh, they go up 3-1 in the series. And that was – Clay Thompson was terrible. 3 for 11, 9 points. Curry, 31 points, 14 assists, 10 boards. But it was LeBron. LeBron. If he was not there, does not hold this team together. The Austin Reeves and the Lonnie Walkers. It was he's the core that brings Anthony Davis is, is going to be terrible. Like he did, he does everything. And I, you know, I, I love Jordan over LeBron, but this is tremendous. I, I his performance in the series just to destroy the dynasty was was just was amazing. But then it goes back, you know, quickly to Game Five back in Golden State. Everyone thought I mean, Golden State was favored by ten. Uh, they, they got out to a huge lead. Curry had 27 points. Wiggins 20. They played a perfect home game. And even though Clay was didn't play, didn't shoot well again, was three for 12. But that's everybody knew they're gonna have to go back to Game Six. I mean, people said, should the Lakers even play LeBron and yes. Davis in the series? Yeah. Because Davis then got a concussion. Did he get? He was taken out in a wheelchair. Was he gonna be back? But they came back uh, for Game Six. And uh, and and that was this, this game was a, a kind of a mess from the start. I, I thought the Warriors would have more fight in Game Six. Yeah, I mean it was Lakers were five after the first, ten after after the second, fourteen after the third, and they won by twenty one. Clay Game Six, Clay is known for his amazing performance in Game Six was three for nineteen. Curry was eleven for twenty eight. No one else was in double figures. Uh, LeBron was tremendous, thirty points, nine rebounds, nine assists. And I love how it was like all these other teams. Everyone like Embiid's tiring out, Harden's. I mean he's. Players are eight, ten years older. John Morant's tiring out. Everyone's tiring out, but LeBron gets stronger and stronger. If you don't watch basketball like I've done, it's like you cannot kill LeBron. He is just, he's tremendous. Like, I've seen him play so hard. Even when Golden State had Durant and Curry, it was LeBron keeping them in the game. But short of the Dallas series, like I'm saying this, if this LeBron would, could transport him back to the Miami Dallas series with Wade and Bosch, they would have won that. They would have won. They would have beat the Spurs too. Like they would have won four titles. Like LeBron is playing smarter now than he's ever played. I wish he. I swear, part of it. I wish I was. This was the LeBron that was back when he was in the early twenties, in the prime of his physical prowess. This LeBron played back then. They would have won four series. He's just phenomenal to, to watch day in and day out. Warriors, though, 
you're kind of in a, in a rough spot here. I mean, it's like you got to retool. This team's not getting any younger. They can't run back the same roster and expect to win a championship, problem, and that's what they want. Their problem was is that everyone thought that their younger players, Kaminga and Moody, thought we're going to take on these big roles because in the past, like last year, they had Otto Porter Jr., and they had the Sean Livingston and Andre Godalas and all these veteran players. This year, they went with the younger players that could not step up and know their roles. Jordan Poole is someone who, if you put him out there, he's going to, he averaged 20 points this game. He's like Tyler Rero. When no one else is out there, he'll score you 25, 30 a game, but he can't play a role and that was what was happening they could not figure that out to use these younger players they pull and Draymond Green got in a fight they clearly don't like Jordan Poole but he's owed a tremendous amount of money he's owed like a hundred some million dollars over these number of years so what's gonna happen with him Clay has another year left on his contract but he's clearly he played well in the regular season but this playoffs has been terrible and I mean I, I we have Wiggins I, I just think I do think Draymond said look we're not done I do think you can retool around them the Wiseman I don't know why they traded Wiseman. I know it was for a Salica reason, but they need another big. That was a mistake. I mean, they have made mistakes in how they've done this, but they came. no one gave them a chance to come back last year. And you have Steph Curry. I think you have a chance. So that's why I think they have a chance. Just about three or four minutes till we have to get to Sonny Vaccaro here on Iron Sports. Let's talk about the other series quickly, Nuggets and Suns. To me, Ira, Denver is a team to beat. I didn't think they were going to put the beat down on the Suns like they did. Well, this came back. It was 2-2. They come back to Denver, and it was two close losses. And after this, it's like Booker and Durant could not keep it up. And they it was at that point they said Denver made a conscious decision to play great defense, and that's what the Lakers are going to find. This Denver team plays really, really good defense. Booker, Durant was 10 for 24 for 26 points. Booker, 8 for 19 for 28. You're like, 26 and 28? Yeah, but they were scoring 40 and 50 almost, and now they're down. Um, but they only shot 9 for 27 for from three and that was that was like one of the key things in terms of them winning the game uh it was and Landry Shamet wakes up Jamal Murray by pushing and shoving him the whole game and Murray started playing well and Jokic did everything 29 points 13 rebounds 12 assists uh and they got scoring from Bruce Brown off the bench Aaron Gordon and that's really I mean that was tremendous then they go into Phoenix for game six and this is where Phoenix last year was down 57 to 27 to Dallas they lost by 30 and they, how in the world in two years back to back they're down again by 30 total blowout 44 26 in the first quarter Denver finished on a 17-0 run uh Durant was 8 for 19 for 23 points Booker 4 for 13 12 points absolutely terrible the game was over you're waiting for this amazing game six at home in Phoenix to, to be down in halftime in two closeout games and then of course Monty Williams loses his job because that's you can't have that I was I'm not I'm not going to say Phoenix season a failure because Durant only played a few games they have to retool they give up too much to get Durant but if Durant's committed to stay and Booker I think with those two as building blocks you can figure out and how to get pieces around that and Payne was not healthy for the beginning of the series yeah, Budenholzer, uh, Ty Lue also fired, I believe, Monty Williams. They're not saying Ty Lue. The question with Ty Lue, the rumor came out that Ty Lue is going to leave the Clippers and take the Phoenix job, that he's tired of Kawhi and Paul. So that's sort of the talk they're meeting right now with Ty Lue leave the Clippers, and the Clippers might want him to leave too, to go to Phoenix, to coach the Phoenix team. But you lost Budenholzer in Milwaukee. Giannis says, nobody, there's no failure. Yeah, if the coach loses a job, it's a failure. And Monty <laughs> Williams, I guess some there has to be some failure aspect of that too. John Morant, you can... We don't know all the details. He was caught on, on Instagram with a gun again. He could be in a state where it's legal to have a gun. You know, we don't know the details. But can you talk about the optics of something I read? This just is not a good look for him, whether it was illegal or not. We went through all the different things. He invited a high school player over to his house and beat him up. That was not a good thing. Play a basketball game. Uh, he went to Foot Locker, and there was another fight. It seems like there was a fight at Foot Locker. There's been incidents after games at the Pacer game. There's pushing and shoving. It seems like the league brought him in. They suspended him the final eight games. They said, clean it up. We don't want to have this because he had a gun in a strip club. 
uh, in Denver, <laughs> whatever, all places, and then um, then now you have this. I mean, it's like I have no idea. It's one thing to have a gun, but why would you post it on Instagram? Like, it's see, people are saying, what is it with posting? Like, when you're doing something and putting it live, and and uh, but he looks like he's gonna be suspended for 20, 25 games, and I just. Like, but I think, look, when you look how Memphis self-destructed, it's like it's more than just his behavior off the court. It's also behavior on the court. If you want to win, you look how hard it is to win these games and how hard these players are playing. If you are not dialed in, if you're James Harden and go to Vegas or whatever, look, if you're Dennis Rodman and you do that's one thing, but you have Michael Jordan who's focused <laughs> and ready to go. The point is that in today's day and age, these players, these final four teams, Jimmy Butler is focused. Uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are focused. LeBron is completely focused. Jokic is focused. Like, if you you want to win the title, you got to be focused, and uh, clearly John Moran is not. Going to the NHL, we have our Eastern Conference determined. Our hometown Florida Panthers taking on the Carolina Hurricanes. I give the Panthers a good shot in this one. I'm looking forward to this series. In the West, we'll find out who is going to face Vegas. They knocked off Edmonton last night. Dallas and Seattle play Game 7 later today. I will say this, Sire, whoever comes out of the East, probably winning the Stanley Cup. The goaltending and defensive differences between the East and the West are glaring. Last night in the uh, in the Edmonton game, three goals in the first two minutes. And you didn't even have it on TV. It wasn't, <laughs> they didn't ESPN even switch two. it over. They were showing a baseball game on. And all, Nine I, trust to one. me, I'm getting on my cell phone. All Mike has been saying from day one is the West doesn't have goaltenders at all. And it's like they're switching goaltenders like relief yeah. pitchers back and forth, back <laughs> and forth. It's amazing. Like what happened to all the great goaltenders out West? Sergei Bobrovsky's middle of the pack in the East and he's hands down the best goalie left of this. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> Jason Day wins for the first time in five years. This field didn't impress me, though. No, Jason, the field was terrible. He beat Scotty Scheffler, who was in there. Uh, but that it's the, we're getting excited because this week they're going in Rochester. They're going to the PGA Championship, which is one of the four majors. And we're just, both of us are. We like live guys. And for some reason, they don't get any credit in Vegas. But they're still playing for competitive golf. Well, I watched the, I watched on CW. Now, I have to admit, I'm watching the live golf on CW Network at the end of the basketball game because it was delayed by two hours. And then they went to Marie Osmond, a Marie Osmond infomercial and stopped the last <laughs> few rounds. But I watched it. Then I went on my computer and watched it. Dustin Johnson won the tournament, played lights out. Cam Smith shot a 61. Brooks Kepka played well. And when you go look at the odds for the PGA Championship, Brooks at 22 to 1. Brooks Kepka is 22 to 1. He's just won two PGA Championships in the last five, four years. And Dustin Johnson, 25 to 1. Dustin Johnson at 25 to 1. And then let's look at other guys. Rory. 12, Rory McIlroy has won nothing and, and whatever. Mm -hmm. And he's 12 to 1. So the point is, look, you're like, oh, I don't want to bet live guys because it's Saudi. You're not you're not taking money from Saudi Arabia. Like if you win a bet, you're winning it from the gamble, like the casino. Like yeah, the that, other gamblers. I'm just saying it's like you might not like the Chiefs have the nickname Chiefs. If you it doesn't mean that the, the Eagles should have be favored by 10, then you'd bet the Chiefs. Like it's betting is betting. And I just think these are uh, even uh, Cam Smith at 35 to 1. 35 to 1. Cam Smith shot a 61. Tyler Gooch is 65 to 1. Uh, Phil Mickelson was second in the Masters. You can buy, get him for 100 to 1. I, I, th insane. These numbers are insane. So I think it's just a huge betting advantage because people, and I have friends that are like that say, I will not bet on a live. Well, if you want to keep betting on other golfers and getting bad odds on Murray, then feel free. But that just opens it up for people who want good odds. And just real quick, Preakness uh, coming up this weekend. Mage, the big favorite. And we're seeing no returners from the Kentucky Derby. Zero returners from the Kentucky Derby. All the other seven horses, only going to be eight horses running. The other seven are have run in races similar. I like first, uh, they have no, nobody from the Kentucky Derby. There was 18 horses, and none of them besides Mage are running in this at all. But it doesn't mean these are bad horses. I mean, this first mission uh, beat Disarm.
Forum at, at Lexington it just in, in April 15th. I like that horse. I'm a little nervous about Mage. Mage gets off to slow starts. Remember, the Preakness is a mile and 16, so it's it's a shorter race. And uh, and so if he gets off, if Page gets off a slow start, it'll hurt me at that. And also, Mage has only run. This is only the f uh, fifth race, and it's, it's usually January, March, April, May. Two weeks rest off this. These other horses have all had a month rest. I'm a little nervous if I'm thinking we're going to be seeing a Triple Crown in Belmont. Let's go to Sonny Vaccaro here on Iron Sports. You went around, you made a risk. First of all, you had to convince them, and then you then you went, and, and what convinced Phil Knight that said, let's go all in? Like, what were you able to do to that get? Was, that was the last That was the last thing. I, I was persistent. They had no, where were they going? By, by the time that Michael told me that he was going to go with Adidas, okay, Regardless, okay. I mean, he called it Nikki. He didn't even say Nike. He said Nikki. <laughs> okay. He wasn't going to go. You know, Elijah won. You know, I mean, he was going to you know Houston or something. He was a big guy, but but that time there was a great affinity for big people. You know, to wear the shoe. You know, and Moses got that contract. And I'm not saying that they weren't good. You know, and Sam was going to be the first pick in Oregon. Sam Bowie, who was a you know a great player at Kentucky, and he probably would have been very very good. And he got hurt, but he wasn't going to be Michael. Well, there's nobody, and you could not have flown. Everyone's saying, well, you could have Howard Barkley. Well, they called him the round mound or rebound for a big reason. You know, at Auburn, he wasn't like turning the page to you. He was like, oh, and he's great. He's one of the greatest players, and I'm not saying he wasn't, but you know what? He still wore Nikes, and it, you know, he sold whatever, whatever, you know, the whatever shoes. But there was no one Stockton, great player. They're all great players, and Charles would have been the closest to a personality, obviously. He evolved that way. But the question is, would he evolved that way in 84 and 85 and did what Michael Jordan did? And then Spike Lee. You really think that would have happened? That's what Sonny Vaccaro is trying to say now. You could have said somebody could have been. I doubt it. And then you, the, the, mo the movie goes into showing the trips to Adidas, a uh, trip to Converse, where like, we have Julius Irving and we have Larry Bird and we have Magic Johnson and those things. But when, when you put together that presentation and when he came to Nike uh, with the shoe, with that was was more red, you know, did it get, say if there were fines? Yeah, yeah, and, and the entire, the, the presentation was so tremendous. And you said, you know, you are going to be our signature athlete. Your, your shoe is going to be the Air Jordan. It's, and, and you put the one shoe in the room and all those things about it. That must have been, I mean, what an iconic moment that you were there and making that pitch. It must have just tremendous. I get chills just talking about it. Well, those those words were said. We knew Rob and Peter thought of you know the well Peter thought of Air Jordan. Him and him and David Falk split the thing, and you saw the big argument. Yes. <laughs> Peter more credit. And if you remember first, that we showed the air the airplane wings, right? The, the captain. We couldn't use that. That was the first insignia. Then Peter changed the whole world when he had the Jumpman. You know his his poster of Jumpman. That's what changed the world. That's when Peter, we couldn't do the airline thing. We don't know if that would have been changed. Could have been, obviously, because the airman is, you know, the jumpman is, you know, synonymous with history now. But everything fell in their lap. But it was Peter Moore. It was his, his design of the jumpman. It was Spike Lee. I don't know if Spike Lee connects with anybody, even though he does commercials with Charles today. That was 100 years ago. Again, they're, both of their lives were different 100 years ago, Charles and Spike. That was the first major thing Spike did, other than the girls got to have it and you know, do the right thing and all that sort of stuff. World, Michael changed the world because not even 
the greatest player in the world, whoever you want, not even LeBron in his first year. Nobody in their first year ever did, after a 50-some game injury, what Jordan was able to do. And he comes back and he gets 52, I think, against the Celtics, and the rest is history. So what played into it was Jordan changed the world in marketing. Jordan changed the world in getting great contracts. But Jordan changed the world as Mrs. Jordan made sure it happened to be a part of the company going in. Even today, when your audience is listening, yeah, LeBron's going to have a share. Yeah, they'll give him a percentage next year or something like that. Yeah, Seth just got a piece of Under Armour after 10 years wearing the damn shoe. Yeah, this guy gets a piece. But nobody had a piece from the beginning. That's what changed the world. Jordan changed the world in marketing. Everyone can argue the, the, the best, the GOAT. I, I believe in being in basketball my life, but you can only go to go by the decades. Like, you know, who's going to be better in Chamberlain, Kareem, you know, whoever, Magic. There's a goat every year. LeBron's the new goat, right? But you, you can't measure guys that played in the 60s and 50s and 60s and 80s. They're all brilliant, but the game has changed. This whole game you're watching on the NBA is not the game that they played in 1950s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. That's why Michael Michael did everything. Michael made it exciting to drive to the rim and kick it out and make an assist. Oh, what happens if they don't drive? He dunks the ball in the rear end. They didn't do that in 1984. Jordan made a champion out of chicken out of chicken soup. What the hell is that? Thing? <laughs> That's what he did. But they, but you talk about that in terms of with in the movie just presented greatly, where that Adidas matched the two hundred fifty thousand dollars that Nike was going to offer, and then David Falk comes back to you and said, "Well, David Falk, but the the mother, Jordan's mother, says we want a percent, we want a percent of the company," and you're like, "That's not how it's done. That's not how it works." That and and you ended up, and then Phil Knight again, you know, went for his run and decided to do it. In the Showtime movie, we had Jeff Perlman on. I had Paul Westhead on talking about the Showtime and the, the HBO special. Uh, uh, or it's called Winning Time, whatever, in terms of that movie. Supposedly, Phil Knight offered that deal to Magic Johnson, and he turned it down because they were offering 100000 Magic says, no, 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 just I don't care about the shoes. Just give me the 100000 I don't know if that's true or not, but that was one. You know, So Michael Jordan was the first one to take advantage of the fact of, yes, I can own my own shoe. Wrong, wrong story. Magic got carried away. <laughs> okay. And I love Magic. He didn't lie. I just think he imagined something like that. And somebody could have said something. There's only one fallacy here. Just be, and Ira, I'm surprised you're being a basketball historian and audience listener with Sonny Vicaris saying, when did Magic play Bird in the great game that changed college basketball and pro basketball? 79. 79, right? Yes. Nike didn't have stock in 79, first of all. In 79, they had the Moses and those guys signing their $1 contract. Guys were leaving. What were we going to do? We were going to give them stock, but there was no stock to be had. You know, second of all, there would have been no logical reason because Magic, you know, guys before Magic and Larry were pretty good. None of them were bad. I mean, if you look at that was, those guys were great. So they couldn't have done it because – we didn't even think of that until 1984. It wasn't even in. And second of all, we were just starting to get money. What did I tell you? By 84, the basketball college program, we were killing them. I was starting to get shooters. You know, we were getting close. We were getting teams in the NCAA tournament. And then a couple of years later, we went with Jimmy. Then we went to Final Four with all four, all four teams in Louisville. You know, Georgetown, 
Villanova, Memphis, and uh, uh, North St. John's. We had all so that was '84. So what in your logical mind would have thought would have done something in '79? I think what may have happened because I I don't think I just think you know whatever. What may have happened that now that you look in history, that would have been nice, but there wouldn't have been any money to give Magic. And also, just so we don't forget anything here, at 1979, neither team or neither actor was ready to do it. And there would have been no way that you would have signed with a, a Magic Johnson's caliber. Why would you go to Nike? We didn't have anybody. We were now dropping, you know, getting ready to drop guys. It was an illogical assumption. Well, I'm but glad also, you cla- – no, I know what I did want to dwell. Let me say this, okay? Also, the biggest fabrication of the mistruths was in that movie. There were more lies in that movie. And I'm not saying Magic's lying. This is not what I'm saying. The thing that Jerry West – and that was a fabrication of the, the writer's imagination that made it more salacious. <laughs> I mean, well, it was. Jerry West wasn't like that. There's a five or six other things that I know. I happen to know – the guy that was murdered, you know, they found in the trunk. And, you know, Jerry, you know, buses like apologizing to the mother. There are so many misrepresentations, but it's it's very good. It's very good television, and it'll sell out again this year. And good for them. Like I said, it's a movie, not a documentary. I, I no, I appreciate you setting the record straight. No, I think it's it's you're the one who could set the record straight. So that's the perfect thing. But. Um, the joy of the movie is great. And I just want to jump, if I have time, I don't know what your time schedule is. I want to oh, jump. Okay, if you are, go ahead. I just want to jump to the fact that you leave. I, I don't know if you want to go into 1991 when you were fired by Phil Knight and or resigned or however you want to clarify that in terms of you leaving Nike and going to Adidas. But you're going to Adidas and you're work, and working for Peter Moore and Rob Strasser. And they said, find the next Michael Jordan, which, of course, seems like the most difficult thing in the world to find another Michael Jordan. But I did. I, I know. That seems like the most impossible task to be asked. So talk about how you found the next Michael Jordan. Kobe Bryant. They, I asked Peter. Rob had died now. Rob, he bought it, and he died six months into his presidency, and Peter Moore became president of Adidas. And there was no better trio in that world than Rob, Sonny, and Peter. There's none. I mean, the history will show that eventually. And uh, and And I said, the only way... I can find this person we're looking for is I got to go to New York. I got to live in New York. I got to be in the middle of basketball. I go to high school games. I go to pro games. I go to college games and I can also see everybody. Everybody goes through New York. It was New York, New York. I loved it. My wife loved it at the time. So they rented me a very nice place, uh, you know, right, right across the street from one of the you know best you know restaurants in America. I was, they, they treated me good, but I was there. I was there to quietly find the next Michael Jordan. Little did I know it would happen quickly at the ABCD camp. In 1972, my Dapper Dan game, still no McDonald's game I had in Pittsburgh. The MVP, I think it was 72 or 73, was uh, Joe Bryant, the father of Kobe Bryant. Mm-hmm. In 1973, one of the players was Chubby Cox, the brother of Pam Cox, Joe's wife, Kobe's mother, played in the Deborah Dam. I had touched the birth of Kobe Bryant 25 years before I met Kobe Bryant. <laughs> Joe has a very good career in the NBA. 
Philadelphia, a bunch of places. He bounced around. Then he went and spent the last years in Europe and Italy. I don't hear from Joe Bryan for 25 years, 24 or 5 years. All of a sudden, I'm having the ABC camp, which is the number one you know, summer camp in America for great players. You know, the history shows that also, like the Dapper Dan in the early days. So I get a call from Gary Charles, a dear friend of mine. And Gary uh, tells me I, he got a call from Joe Bryant. He's Joe Bryant. I remember the name, obviously, you know, the MVP. He said, Joe has a son. He's just come back from Italy. He wants to get his son into ABC camp if he can. I don't know if Kobe can walk, fly, or jump, but I have no idea. <laughs> He's Joe Bryant, Pam Bryant's son. I didn't know that at the time either. So remember, this is a camp, just to clarify our listeners, this is a camp for the best high school basketball players. You get a call from Joe Bryant saying, I want my son to come, and you're like, okay, even though you didn't know about Kobe or anything, nobody knew anything about him, but just as a favor to Joe, I'm gonna your son can play in the camp. And I've had other people like that, and that's been the strength of my life. I, unless something impedes something, all friends win ties in my life. Oh, that's, that's great. That's nice. So that's so Joe Derrico, Gary brings him over to me. Okay, I say hello to everybody. The, the camp lasts like five days of playing time. We had every NBA guy there now because kids are going out of high school, you know, because Kevin, you know, went out of high school, or uh, Garnett. Remember, he didn't get a lot of publicity, but he was really the first guy to do it. I mean, from from that era, okay, and uh, and become great, obviously, Hall of Fame. So now, the cap's over, and I watched this kid among 120, 25 other guys over with camp, and we have an all-star game every year at the end of camp. The junior team plays the junior team, and the, and the senior team plays the senior team. And we have a big pull on uh, inside the gym, you know, the most valuable players. You know, we've had it historically through the last camp. So the camp's over, and everyone can rather say goodbye. And then Kobe comes running by. I say hello to Pam, and things. he comes over by himself. Swear to God. And he grabs me, and he hugs me. Thank you, Mr. Vaccaro, for inviting me to camp. Um, and I said, you're coming back next year. He's only a, gene, a junior, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, I said, naturally, he said, and he said, but I want to apologize. You hear what I said? Kobe says to me, He's now 16. I leave camp. I want to apologize. What do you mean apologize? You made, you know, you made the All-Star team. He says to me, and I never forgot these words. Two athletes gave me great speeches during their lifetime. One was Michael and one was him. One-minute speeches. And uh, and he said, I'm coming back next year. And I was happy. That's amazing. <laughs> and he said, uh, I'm going to be the best player in this camp. I never forgot that. He came back. Well, the, the world knows. That's who he was. I never went to see him play a high school game. I, I was good at that. I never saw LeBron play one. Obviously, I never saw Michael Whalen. I never saw Tracy play one. That was always my modus operandi. If I knew about somebody, I saw LeBron in a pickup game arranged for me in San Francisco going into a senior year, or sophomore year, or sophomore junior year. And that, that's so all these things met Tracy at the camp, just like I met LeBron. Or, uh, Thing. So now all these things happen. I don't go to games. I go to college games. We went to Philadelphia a few times to see, um, you know, guys that were playing college ball that were really, really good, getting drafted in the first round. And uh, but I, I knew then I come back. Camp was now over. I was, I was, you know, they extended me until the, the I was going to stay until the holidays, really. And um, so I started making the rounds. I met Joe and Pam probably. Because Gary Charles had told me that Joe would be interested in going uh, pro, so we we met uh, somewhere in New Jersey for lunch, and it came over to New York. 
on, on Sundays and then drive back. Then I drive halfway. And then we went to, uh, you know, over to the Seattle Villanova game, a couple college games. Then I'd go to their house, you know, but I never, never, you know, saw Kobe. Never saw him play a game. And, and then, go ahead. And I'm sorry. Then he told me Kobe wanted to go pro. And I called Peter Moore. I said, I found Jordan. <laughs> That's how it was. And Peter said, I believe you. Nobody, just so history shows that you can tell them on your end. Nike didn't even bid on this one, just so you understand that. Did you hear that, ladies and gentlemen? Sonny Hill was there. They had a great summer league. They had, he, had, he knew Kobe well. He knew how good Kobe was. They never bid. I gave him a million dollars. We paid Joe $150,000 to help us. Why wouldn't we? We became close. Pam and I found our house for them above Palisades Drive in Palisades, California, because we had owned a house at the bottom of the hill. We knew him until he left. You know, well, we still know Pam and Joe, obviously. So my point is, that's how it happened. That's why Kobe Bryant only saw him at camp. Only, and I knew this was a kid. And what was the main thing in both of them? Michael Jordan and Kobe. If I go two minutes, let me tell you Michael Jordan's story. Pammy and I traveled Europe with him in 1992. He put the first shovel in the ground in the Olympic Stadium in Spain. Remember that? Mm -hmm. Golf War. Pam, Howard White, um, who was with us, who always was with Michael, and myself and Michael went to Europe on our own chartered plane. We went to Spain, Germany, and to Paris and making stuff for Michael, you know, to Europe. And also play his, – his brother was in the Army. We played at an Army base with all the soldiers in Germany. And what the deal was, we were going to – Michael was going to appear in this game in some Army auditorium, you know, whatever it was. And uh, the soldiers, he was going to play, you know, half for the, the one team and half for the other team, five or ten minutes, and we were going to try and leave early to avoid the crowd. That was the game plan going in. Now, the, obviously, the gym is sold out. All the soldiers, it's beautiful atmosphere. All the kids, I mean, all the men. This is golf war. This we know, ladies and gentlemen. Michael, I go ready to start the game. And the ref says, where's Michael? I go to Howard. I said, Howard, where? I said, son, he went to the uh, latrine. Uh, latrine. Well, ladies and gentlemen, some of you young enough, latrine wasn't a pleasant place to go in the 19, you know, <laughs> you know 1990s. And, uh, and Michael was in the bathroom. And... Uh, Sitting on the bench, I go in and I said, Michael, I said, uh, you know, we got to go. I never, he was sitting on the bench. I was like, like he was riding on a horse, like he had a saddle underneath him, and bouncing the ball. And he looks at me, he picked up the ball, put it on his right hip. He says, son, I'll be out in a minute. I'll, I'll be ready. Michael Jordan was getting ready to play against the Army team. Audience, you know, so what happens in this game? In the first half, Michael's winning just a number. He's winning by 20 points, 15 points. What the hell was He was beating Team B. So he changes T-shirts, and he plays for Team B. He won the game 82-80. Otherwise, <laughs> he beat himself. And he never come out. He played the whole 40 minutes. That was Michael Jordan getting ready to play an exhibition game, sitting in a latrine, mentally getting ready. That is that's, – well, that's, that's MJ. That's tremendous. Yeah. Uh, one last thing about Kobe – you had you were involved in the whole how Kobe ended up with the Lakers because there was a thought that he would go to the New Jersey Nets and I, I think Kobe and the Nets was not that exciting but Kobe as a Laker is a is a legend. Well, 
Jerry West, Orrin Kellen was a very good law, a lawyer and agent at that time, a friend of mine, um, was you know, close to Jerry, and uh, Orrin arranged a workout. He was trying to get arranged with all the NBA teams to work out Kobe because no one had seen Kobe. Okay, just so we remember that. No one ever thought he was going to go pro or sign a shoe contract. So now we, because once he did, he wasn't going to college anymore, that's for sure. So now Jerry gets a, you know, we get a gym. We go over there and work out. And I go with him. Orange with him. Everybody's with him. And he and Jerry arranges the workout. And I don't want to use your name. Pretty damn good players. A couple NBA players. And people will recognize that stuff. Another person tells a story. Kobe kicks everybody's ass. Kicks everybody's ass. Jerry West runs out of the gym. Or run, runs down the floor. He's sitting on the other side. I was sitting on the other side with Arn. Says, stop it. I want to stop it. <laughs> I want this kid. Well, that's nice. But the Lakers were good. They weren't going to get an early round draft choice. But we didn't have any offers. Arn Wait, why did, why, did, why did he stop it so early? He just he knew that that point. He, he saw did... enough. He saw enough. <laughs> he knew that this kid was good enough on the 15, 20 minutes, half, however long we were out there. It didn't take long. That's what that's what's never given enough credit. There's a ball of stories about it. Jerry just quit it. I learned something about that with LeBron, a lot, you know, 20 years, 15 years after that. Jerry knew that this kid was that great. What he had to do was get a change with Charlotte, I believe. I think that's who the trade was made. Right. For. Yeah, we got the you know the 13th pick. So what we had to do was get the 13. Well, Arnie didn't arrange any more workouts, but Jerry had to make sure we get past number eight because uh, that was the Nets, and Cal Perry really wanted them, and there was a lot of blind man bluff played there, and John played his slate. He, he drafted the kid from Villanova, who was really, really good. Kerry Kittles. Yeah, Kerry was really, really good. So we're now at the draft. All we know is we got to get – so we're on that green room thing, and we're sitting with the Bryant family, and, you know, and Kerry – all the, all the you know, kids, you know, were in that green room thing. And uh, so it comes to number eight, and they say Kerry Kittles, and I jump off the thing, and everybody does it. Kobe's sisters are all there. We're all there. I jump up and and I realize, you know, I think uh, I think, you know, Pam, this is, uh, you know, Pam told me, Sonny, he said, Terry killed behind us. So I turned around and I congratulated Terry. I was embarrassing him. Said Terry, because he knew who I was, congratulating him. You know, I guess he shook me. I don't know idea. He was just happy to be drafted. So this one, but I was happy because we knew nobody would take him between eight and thirteen, and we were going to make the trade with Charlotte. That was the whole thing, and there it was. Vlad A.B. bit for Kobe Bryant, and the rest is history. And Jerry West did it. Jerry <laughs> West did it. Amazing. And we're going to go one more athlete. You're just these stories. This is, I'm like, this is history. I mean, this is like going back into the Revolutionary War and hearing these stories. It's with, with George Washington. Um, you're at Adidas. You've, and how do you hear about LeBron and your involvement in LeBron? You were giving, I think, the story is you gave St. Vincent, St. Mary's high school team uh, $15,000 for their shoes in, when he was a freshman at uh, St. Vincent, St. Mary's. Well, I, I do have three more minutes i got to get off. So what I'm going to tell you here, LeBron was, I knew LeBron better than I knew any of the kids I ever recruited, including Tracy and all the kids in the future, Brandon Jennings and the rest of them. And it was a two-and-a-half-year recruiting. I knew him when he was a sophomore because his friends, Maverick and those kids, actually brought up uh, a film of me uh, on, a, on a tape 
like when he was a freshman that I took at the NCAA finals. So I knew about LeBron, and I got involved, you know, giving the team all those things. I worked my butt off to get LeBron James. Just to make it real quick, Ira, to say here, what happened there, and we can finish it some other time, maybe at the end of the season, if you want to do a follow-up on what happened this year or something. But just to tell you, Adidas lied to me. I promised LeBron $100 billion, $10 million a year, and they changed the contract on me, and I quit Adidas right after that. So that, that changed history, too. All they had to do was, I don't know if we'd have got them, but I probably would have still been Adidas, and there would have been no other things maybe. I have no idea. And then I went to you know, Reebok, and then I went to uh, what I was born to do, I think, is fight for the athletes and win the NIL thing and, and Eddie O'Bannon. But that's what it was. They lied to me. Adidas made two big mistakes, didn't they? They didn't sign Jordan, and they passed on LeBron. So they got good. They, they were where they should be. They signed Kiwi or Kiwi or what the hell is it? <laughs> so, Okay. <laughs> well, anyway, Sonny, I, we want to get into NIL. I know you have to go. I, that's the one we're probably going to bring you back, and I would love to talk about your work with the Ed O'Bannon lawsuit and how you have changed college basketball, which I think we should do in another segment, but absolutely amazing. This has been, I, I just, as I said, I feel like I'm transported back in time and, and listening to history between your talks about LeBron and Kobe and Jordan and your work with basketball in Pennsylvania. It's been just a pleasure for you to talk with us for this past hour well if you don't i'm gonna come to florida because i got relatives there and this is the year we're gonna travel and we may even meet each other Ira. and there's a possibility god willingly but i'll tell you what if you don't and if we don't get together and if we physically can i'll i'll beat you up okay <laughs> i don't want to be up i'll do it i'll do it my words i can't do it physically anymore but I want to get we want I want you to come to Florida. We want you in the studio. We want to talk about this. I want to talk about NIL and I talk about how you've changed the landscape of college basketball and all these players now are earning all these endorsement deals and all the work that you've done. It's been amazing in terms of what you've changed and it's it's just it, it would be great for you and I would love to have your comments about current players today and uh, maybe there's the next Kobe or Michael or LeBron out there somewhere. But well, I, I'd love to have you back. There's going to be, and I want to say hello to my family, okay, to Monarchy and Chad and Kimmy and, and the four children, and to my one of my best buddies, one of the guys who was with me from the beginning, Bobby Hartstein, who now lives down here in Florida, like a million other guys who used to live in New York and Pennsylvania. So I love you. Uh, thank you, Ira. I love you because you've got a great basketball mind. You're a wonderful person, and you're from Pennsylvania. You're <laughs> and Michael Isolina is one of my favorite people in the world. Great stuff, Sonny Vicaro here on Iron Sports. We're out of time, Iron. What are you doing this week? What? Oh, we got the heat. So this is it. This is great. Every night you're going to either, and you love this too. We have an NHL game, and then we have an NBA game. I love this time of year. And the PGA Championship for golf is this weekend. Yeah, it's like, you know, it's not football season, but still there's so much We're great sports. <laughs> and I love the fact that this is, again, this is put up or shut up time for these teams. These players talk, talk, talk. And you're going to see LeBron against Jokic and Denver and L.A. and then Miami and Boston and the coaches. I just love this. And each day, that's what I love about the series. Um, I'm pumped for this whole week. We're out of time. On behalf of Ira and Mike, let's talk next Monday night. Ira on sports.